Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ho, ho, ho. How are we doing this evening, Jerry? Ready for the big day tomorrow? Uh, yes, Santa. I-, I need to talk to you. Yes, and what seems to be the problem? Yeah, a quick question. How the f*** are we supposed to make a specked out MacBook Pro? I'm sure we can figure something out. We're a smart bunch here at the North Pole. A smart, a smart bunch? Santa, at North Pole University, where literally we all went. The only two majors were holiday cheer and cookie decorating. Okay, so so I don't know if you think there's a correlation between the economics of candy canes and computer science, but there isn't. Well, well, now that sounds like a bit of a wreck. Uh, we'll, we'll get through with something. What, like a like a trillion dollars in startup capital? And, and okay, just just put it on my card. Like uh, like all just, like, just all of it. Okay, we need to make this work. Just it's a, it's a tax write-off. Don't worry about it, guys. We're going shopping. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Life's Wreck, the show where I, your host, who smells absolutely fantastic, Kyle Moore, uh, and the voice of my mental health, of course. Yeah, who just, by the way, avidly disagrees with that opening statement. But yeah, talk about the world you... of mental health with special guests, and of course, you know, uh, amongst ourselves between the two of us here. Uh, before we get started, big shout out to my buddy Brandon Van Tassel for the idea for the intro. Go follow. <clears throat> wow! Yikes! Yikes! Uh, go follow Rough him. Start for more Instagram at brandon vt uh and if you want your idea featured and to get a crummy shout out on the podcast all you got to do follow the life's rec account on instagram at life's rec podcast reply to the question box the week of the episode drop yada 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 bob's your uncle and there you go um all right uh pleasantries out of the way man how was your christmas oh yeah you know man well i spent it with you so yeah about as good as it could be dude come on we had we had fun (laughs) yeah fun for an 80 year old dude you just sat around all day drinking and eating it doesn't sound fun to you you're just a you're just a dull guy, and I, you're a dull guy, and I think the holidays really kind of brought brought that pretty, in. Pretty mean. I don't know. You you didn't give me a lot to latch onto, honestly. Like you weren't in a ton of social situations. You took time off from making this this podcast to to chill out. 
So I, I get like I get like chill out, but like, why'd you say why'd you say podcast like this? Because it's because it's lame. Okay, our guests are what then? No, 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 no! Don't try to turn this on me because our guests are what are holding this this sketchy operation together. Okay, they're amazing. It's it's you. Okay, so, the, so see, we agree problem. on that. We can you know we can build from this. This is like a, a big step forward in our our relationship. All right, how, how about you intro the guest so that we can get a fresh new perspective on gear? Uh, you can talk less. It'll be good for you. Don't make a make a fool out of yourself. What? No, no nothing. Yeah, go go for it, there, big guy. Oh, thanks, man. All right, cue the music. Guys, first of all, I want to make sure to mention that this episode taught me a lot about myself as like an interviewer and connecting with people um, because I got to sit down with a man who has such a unique story and such an inspired outlook on life. You know, sometimes it's like finding the right words to say, and I'm sure you guys will see this in the episode um, or asking the right question. Like it was honestly tough. And I think that that showed once in a while because I found myself getting so caught up in what this week's guest was saying. And by the end of the episode, I'm, I'm positive that you'll understand why I'm saying all this. This week's guest is Thomas Hartle. Thomas was diagnosed with cancer back in 2016 and after multiple clean scans had been told he had beat it only to be re-diagnosed with stage four cancer in 2019. You know, obviously this brought on a lot of anxiety for Thomas, which led him to look for different therapies to help manage that anxiety. Eventually, he learned about psilocybin, which is the compound found in magic mushrooms that has that psychoactive effect. Uh, and you know what? The rest, uh, I'll let him tell you for himself. Thomas, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? Well, I'm actually having a pretty good day today. So I am uh, on my uh, off chemo uh, week right now. So this week is uh, what I call my good week. So Nice. Nice. We're good to go. Well, happy to hear it. Happy to hear it. It's obviously, uh, you know, granted, uh, not the greatest circumstances, but, uh, you know, it's nice when you can, you can give it that, uh, that nice twist. Sure. So, uh, your story is absolutely incredible. So I'm so excited to share it with, uh, with my, my listeners. Um, and I guess I kind of want to start off with just kind of like the big thing, which is you are one of a select group of people who has been given, uh, permission by the government to use psilocybin as a, uh, as a mental health treatment, I guess you could say a therapy. Yep. Uh, and, and I'm kind of curious as to what your experiences with like, with that have been like. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess I would have to say right out of the gate that I would consider my treatment with uh, psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy to be uh, very effective and has made a, a tremendously positive impact on my uh, general well-being and day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, uh, in my ability to just cope with life on a daily basis, my life mm -hmm. is very much better than it was, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. That's great. Yeah. So um, in, in terms of my uh, response to the treatment, I suppose you could say, um, my outlook on how I think about the challenges that I have on a day-to-day -day basis, which is still stage four cancer, and it's still going to chemotherapy every two weeks. And and still dealing with exactly the same things I was dealing with prior to taking psilocybin. But now, instead of uh, having a lot of extra clutter that gets mm. in there, so uh, the, the what-ifs, you know, right. uh, you know would've, could've, things like that, um, very much more able to stay in the present moment without getting caught up in all of that sort of uh, 
busyness that you get that leads to anxiety and such. Yeah. And, and that's only after one treatment as well. I mean, you've done this, this session, these sessions once, and I'd love if you could kind of explain what your sessions look like. Absolutely. So it is definitely uh, very different from what people experience when they're, uh, you know, using uh, psychoactive substances on a, you know, um, recreational basis, mm -hmm. I guess would be uh, the best way of putting it. This is really a, a therapeutic setting. So you have uh, a trained therapist or somebody who is experienced uh, using psilocybin in this type of capacity. You uh, have a number of sessions leading up to when you actually take the psilocybin. And those sessions are to establish like a, a good trust and a rapport, mm -hmm. make sure you have the uh, reasonable expectations for what you're going to get out of this session because uh, it's not magic, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's it, still uh, your magic mushrooms, but not magic. <laughs> yes. 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 So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, you have to be uh, realistic in your expectations of what you're going to be getting out of this because you, you can't you can't go from zero to 100 in a day. You know, no matter how good of a therapy it is and no matter how effective it is, you still have to put the work in to um, work at what your actual problems are. Mm -hmm. uh, so on the days leading up to that one, or weeks leading up to that, really, um, I had a number of sessions with my uh, therapist, Dr. Tobin, who is the uh, founder of uh, Therazol. And uh, we, uh, we established that, A, I was a qualified person who could use this. Uh, I don't know if your listeners are aware or not, but uh, you know, there are definitely some criteria that we uh, have to meet to be able mm -hmm. to take that. If you what, have, what kind uh, of, yeah, what, what kind of criteria is that? Well, for example, if you uh, uh, have problems with bipolarism or mm. if you have problems with schizophrenia, um, there are a number of types of uh, mental conditions that make people reality challenged, I guess we could say. So if you happen to be a little bit reality challenged, then a reality altering substance may not be for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I, I am, of course, not a doctor, but... This is one of those things that kind of makes sense, you know. Um, once we had our uh, criteria and everything established, uh, Dr. Tobin volunteered to come here to my house, which was fantastic with uh, the travel arrangements and COVID and such. <laughs> right. You know, uh, you know, with my uh, with my immune system, I am not going anywhere. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Probably for the best. Yeah. So uh, he came here, and uh, we uh, we did our initial uh, lead up to the session, which is a number of tests to kind of get a baseline for where your uh, anxiety levels are at, your depression, your, uh, uh, it's a uh, despondency, I think. Okay. Uh, so basically uh, testing your, your kind of current state of your mental well-being right. before the tests. Uh, in, in my particular instance on the uh, anxiety test, I believe it goes up to about 50 uh, I scored a 36 on that one, which wow. is in the upper level. Of Absolutely. That. Yeah. Uh, quite a surprise to me, honestly. I, I mean, I, I knew that I had anxiety, but uh, when you're living in it, it's difficult to really, it's a, uh, how's that story about the, uh, the frog and hot water go, you know, if, uh, oh, yeah, you, know, frog, yeah, yeah. you know, you raise the temperature slowly, the frog will stay in there. Or, you know, right. if you throw him into hot water, he jumps out. 
anxiety for me was kind of like that to a certain extent. You know, I, I had the anxiety build up over a period of months since my uh, diagnosis and I didn't really recognize that it was as bad as it was. Mm -hmm. um, the morning of the session, of course, uh, pretty high on the anxiety scale for me because yeah. it's uh, a new experience, a new substance. I had you know, no idea what to be expecting from it. Right. Um, yeah. I have uh, our spare room set up for that. Yeah, basic, comfortable with bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. I have uh, chairs on one side for uh, Dr. Tobin. I have chair on the other side for uh, a good friend of mine who was a sitter. Yep. And uh, he's uh, was experienced with ayahuasca, so that was you know very wow. convenient to have uh, access to people who had uh, some experience with substances and, and altered states themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, very important to have you know people that you trust and can answer your questions, right? Right, right. So I take my first dose at about uh, eleven thirty in the morning. That uh -huh. uh, was uh, two and a half grams. Waited forty five minutes uh, while I had. Uh, headphones and a blindfold on meditating. Mm -hmm. uh, 45 minutes later, I took another two and a half grams. Uh, more meditating, waiting for the effects of that. And uh, another 45 minutes, I took a final two grams. Mm -hmm. So uh, a course of an hour and a half, a total of seven grams. Wow. And uh, uh, then headphones and uh, a blindfold. And uh, we experienced Off you go, experience. Eh? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, for somebody who like we were, we had been talking about the fact that you hadn't had a lot of experiences with uh, just kind of drugs in general, I guess you could say. So yeah, to yeah, take seven yeah. grams of mushrooms, I, I can imagine that that is one of those things that like, what was those kind of first moments like where you really started to feel it? Like kind of, I guess what was going through your, your mind, even in your maybe altered state, uh, just kind of yeah. like what, what you were thinking about. Yep. Um, physically what I noticed a lot, um, it uh, made me awfully twitchy, mm. so uh, a lot of uh, temperature regulation problems, mm. I guess you could say. Uh, I experienced a lot of uh, chills, but really profuse sweating at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so you know, sounds, it, sounds like a blast. Yeah, it, it has physical effects that go along with it. Um, for me, on a mental level, I think I probably had... Uh, a more positive experience than a lot of people mm -hmm. have. Um, I found that when I was meditating during the onset of the uh, psilocybin, it really took a lot of the, um, I, I guess you could say the trauma out of it that a lot of people experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very much to me like a transition from waking to dreaming mm. without the sleeping part in the middle. Right. It just sort of, uh, so listening to the different types of music, uh, each type of music was very uh, synesthetic for me. So it produced these uh, really immersive 3D environments, these spaces that uh, I would call different universes. That's okay. uh, certainly the way that it uh, felt to me. And each different style of music would produce a different type of space. Mm -hmm. Once that space was established, my consciousness then just became those spaces. Right. So, you know, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't there uh, exploring the space. That was me. Yeah, you were just being there. Yeah, yeah, I, I was the space. Wow. So, 
you know, it was, it's, it's uh, quite neat for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, every, every universe that I experienced was just me. Wow. They were all different mm -hmm. and they were all perfectly right and good and complete and serene. It was like nowhere that I experienced. Was there any concept of like sadness or physical pain or anything like that? It was, uh, wow. you know, really here, here's the place where that exists. Yeah. But in those other spaces, um, it was very healing to me because I was able to experience my consciousness as a form that wasn't Thomas. Right. So, uh, you know, in, in these other spaces or being these other spaces, um, it was impossible to even, you know, think about uh, you know, having my own family, let alone picturing their faces or their names or anything like that. Mm -hmm. now, this this space, while I knew that it existed, it was more of a uh, detached sort of a thing for me. So um, I knew that I had a body here and I would come back and I would check on it from time to time, kind of, you know, like uh, looking after a house plant or something, you know, right, right. <laughs> you know make sure it uh, doesn't uh, need to, you know, have a drink or go to the bathroom mm -hmm. or something like that. And, and then I would just go back and be in other space. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does sound very relaxing. And I mean, like for people who do struggle with anxiety and depression and those kind of things, like, what do you, wh why do you think there's such a benefit to, that detachment from kind of like a physical being per se into kind of just being able to experience the universes that are alive within your own head kind of thing. Yeah. For myself, um, the psilocybin did not change the way that I feel necessarily in the same way that, you know, um, other antidepressants and things change the way that you feel. Right. Um, you know, I found that antidepressants were uh, kind of a, a numbing agent for me. So, mm -hmm. you know, sure they would take the, the edge off of, uh, you know, depression, for example, but they would also take the, uh, the peaks off of being happy too. Yeah. You know, I mean, who wants to go through life, you know, being just vanilla? You know, 100%. That doesn't experience. Nobody. Anything. Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't sound nice to me. Yeah. You know, so, uh, what, uh, what psychedelics actually did for me was to help to change the way that I think about things. So mm -hmm. they gave me a different perspective on things that had been previously troubling to me. So, you know, uh, people have difficulty with the, the concept of death and mm -hmm. death in itself isn't the thing that really bothered me quite as much as the idea of not being here for my family. Right. Right. I, uh, I happen to have a couple of kids who are on the uh, autism spectrum and, uh, mm. you know, you, you have to do a few extra things to plan for that. Right. Yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. And, uh, you know, for me, um, it was a very difficult thought for me to think that at some point they're going to need me and I'm just not going to be here to help them out. Right. right. Yeah. So since my psilocybin, mm -hmm. where I used to have real showstoppers, like even being able to talk about this subject would be, you know, way too emotional for me to deal with, you know, Absolutely. just conversationally like this. Yeah. Um, you know, I can now take 
all of that uh, emotional content that's attached to that and just set it aside. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't, you know, uh, something that I have to feel right. right at the moment if I don't want to. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. can quiet my head. I can think about what's actually going on right now instead of thinking about uh, the dumb crap, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's And that's profound to be able to, I mean, like have such control over what's going on because i mean i i can say with my own experiences with and you know i take uh zoloft as a way to manage my ocd and my anxiety yeah um and that's one of those things where like you said it is that numbing effect where it's like you know it kind of takes that edge off of almost everything which is like oh you know sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing yeah but i mean after one experience to be able to kind of like form that mentality of that control is is pretty it's quite impressive and i mean it, it's one of those things where it is it's kind of funny to me that we don't talk about things like psilocybin and natural therapies more because of the fact that like it's had such an incredible benefit on mm -hmm. well people like yourself yes oh absolutely and and you know for for me i mean i'm i am very ordinary i there's really nothing special about me um i, I think i could probably honestly say that I was very well prepared for my session. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably something really important to, to point out to people is that, you know, uh, a psychedelic is not a plaything in terms of a, a therapeutic tool. Right. Um, you, you have to be prepared that it is going to expose things that are very emotional and could be traumatic if you have had you know things in your life that have been uh you know uh, trauma trauma abuse mm -hmm. things like that yeah. um you could very well experience those things and you need to be prepared for it you know it mm -hmm. it, it happens right yeah and I, 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 rolling the dice to a happen bit. because i mean those are the things that are are likely causing problems for you in the first place if they're there yeah you know? Yeah, um, I am pretty fortunate in that uh, you know I have had what I would consider a pretty easy life by the scale of a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I haven't been abused. I haven't had you know alcoholic parents. I haven't had right, right. any of the stuff that a lot of people deal with. You know, yeah. all I have is cancer. You know, it's uh, mm -hmm. thousands of people have it, mm -hmm. but there are thousands of people who have anxiety too. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I could never speak from your point of view, obviously, but you know, yeah, it is just, it's one of those things that I guess that's just kind of life. Yeah. Well, you know, if you are somebody who has suffered with, you know, depression and anxiety yourself, that is exactly the same as what I have put up with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know, mm -hmm. you are completely familiar with it. You know, mm -hmm. my anxiety is no different from anybody else's anxiety because it's exactly the same. And because I, you know, have been able to deal with it in this way, then I think people like yourself or, or your listeners would also potentially benefit from the same thing I have. For me, I don't believe that psilocybin or, or ayahuasca or any of these are like a, a magic pill that somebody can just right. take and you're all fine, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, but when you take them in these therapeutic settings with somebody As who knows the uh, the workings of the plant medicine and mm -hmm. knows how it can help to get your ego out of the way to 
bring these issues more into the limelight, you know, where mm. you can deal with them and such. Um, it's a really powerful tool. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I love is the fact that it can be a tool. I mean, yeah. like, so, so often people look at it as, you know, it's either the devil itself or it is this kind of be all end all. And I think yeah. that there's like, I think that there's such a specific and, and an important middle ground that we gloss over so much. And that's why I was so much looking forward to our conversation was because of the fact that I think, you know, using it in these therapeutic settings is huge because I mean, me, myself, obviously I take a Zoloft every day. I'm definitely not against prescription drugs. Nope. Uh, it's, and it's helped me astronomically, but I definitely think that there are people out there who I've talked to who have tried every medication on the planet, their anxieties through the roof and things like this, you know, illegal, but yet could probably help them out possibly. Uh, my, my humble opinion, mm. and, and that is having experienced it, and having researched a lot on this mm -hmm. subject mm -hmm. is that it does have the potential to be beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not going to help everybody. Nothing does. Right. Exactly. But it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. And I think so as well. I really do. I mean, I'm a huge believer in natural medicines and I think mm -hmm. that as we go forward and seeing, you know, you're one of, uh, is it 11 people, correct? I think we are now up to 13. 13 is it? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. excellent. So obviously, yeah, I was going to say steps being taken in the right direction. And, and obviously with people seeing benefits in your situation, um, you know, hopefully that it does kind of find it's a little trickle down effect where, you know, people can start uh, maybe in lesser circumstances per se, um, can start uh, kind of reaping the benefits. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think probably the, the next big important step that we need to take is to, uh, to get the uh, psilocybin uh, uh, access granted to professional therapists and mm -hmm. uh, uh, doctors, psychologists, uh, professionals in the field who are going to be able to experience what the psilocybin does and mm -hmm. would therefore be able to develop programs that would be beneficial to people. Right. Put I mean, the tool in their hands. Yeah. I, I mean, right yeah. now we've got the, uh, the Johns Hopkins studies, right? And right. that is largely what I personally leaned on for uh, my reasons for using psilocybin. But uh, here in Canada, we have actually got this really rich heritage that nobody knows about. Uh, did you know that uh, right here in the province where I'm living, in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, was actually a hotspot for psychedelic research back really? in the 50s and 60s? Yeah. No idea. Yeah, it was a, it was actually a major center, uh, wow. and the uh, the research that they were doing here with uh, addictions and things like that uh, produced a lot of very good results that mm -hmm. are still being cited today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Canada used what? to be uh, right on top of this, and you know we could be again. Uh, I mean, I, I'd love to see it. I think yeah. that'd be I think that'd be great. I mean, why why did that? kind of taper off was it because of just kind of government restrictions and just kind in, of like the perceptions uh, in 19, or uh, was it uh 1973 i think it was here in canada is when they uh declared that to be uh a illegal substance at that mm -hmm. time so. a, ske a schedule one if i'm not mistaken correct yeah i think that the scheduling is uh how the u.s measures it but it's the canadian equivalent to Right. whatever that is and i don't yeah. know what it is i can't even correct you on it but yeah fair but enough yeah, yeah it's it's that uh, category of medicine that has like you know uh, highly addictive and no yeah. medical benefit whatsoever and you know if you if you even look at the package you'll jump out a window or something <laughs> yeah. you know, 
<laughs> right. Yeah, how did, uh, I mean, so how did this all come, come to be? Uh, I mean, obviously this doesn't just pop up out of the blue. You don't just kind of one day wake up and just go, well, again, all right, today I'm going to do mushrooms to, to cope with my anxiety. So, I mean, I'm just kind of curious if you could walk us through kind of what got you to this point. I know that that's essentially your entire story. Um, yeah. but I, I'd love if you've kind of, you'd kind of take me and my listeners through that. Well, I can, uh, readers digest it a little bit. That, that sounds perfect. Point. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, um, the short version of the story is I've had stage four cancer since 2016. I have not had this anxiety since 2016. Um, you know, I had uh, a few rounds of treatment at the uh, initial go round with my cancer. And then I had this break of about two years where I was um, declared where they couldn't find any cancer in me anymore. Right. So, you know, I have two years where you're thinking everything's going great. I have got mm -hmm. clear PET scans every three months, right? Mm -hmm. Every three months, I get a PET scan that says I am cancer free. Right. Um, and uh, right up until the uh, summer of 2019. So a uh, couple of good years in there and I started feeling anemic. So uh, low on energy and things like that. Yeah. I happen to know what it feels like. I've experienced it before. Went to the family doctor to, uh, you know, to let her know that I think this is what's going on. I have no idea why, but I think I'm anemic. Uh, get my blood tested. My hemoglobin was, I think, about 67. Um, normal low end of hemoglobin should be 130. So wow. pretty, pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, got scheduled for a colonoscopy, and everybody's favorite, and they found <laughs> a couple of uh, bleeding tumors on my large intestine. So mm. scheduled surgery to uh, take that out. But uh, this is kind of the start of the anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. So I've gone two years with completely clear PET scans. Yeah. Blood work, completely normal. Every single test says I am completely healthy. Wow. but there's a couple of bleeding tumors in there. And that is what kind of, uh, and, um, that, that I found kind of upsetting. So I go in for yeah. my surgery in August, uh, to, uh, at that time they decided they were going to remove the rest of my large intestine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, unfortunately when the surgeon opened me up at that time, there is nothing that they could do. There is uh, literally cancer everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's, uh, was it 51 spots where they look for cancer? I had cancer in 42 of those 51 wow. spots. So uh, tumors, you know, varying sizes uh, in my peritoneal tissue, large intestine, small intestine. Yeah. Basically, uh, he just cleaned any tumors off of the incision line and, and closed it back up again because... That's, and then that's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. And I, and I can just, you know, I, I can't actually imagine that, that waking up from that and being like, Hey guys, what's going on? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Why am I, you know, why have I been down for so long? Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately uh, for me at, at that time, that is really when my uh, peak of anxiety sort of, mm -hmm. sort of uh, I mean, set in. You know, Rightfully you, so. you think sense. that you are totally healthy and fine. And uh, not only has the cancer progressed the whole time that they were telling me I was fine, 
but now they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what were like, what were those emotions like? Was it, was it anger? Was it worried? Like, you know, just kind of, I guess, how were you feeling? Oh man, that is a really tough one because yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had prepared myself for, uh, you know, living the rest of my life with a colostomy bag, right? Mm -hmm. Or or Mm -hmm. no, no intestines or uh, best case scenario, they can reconnect the, uh, the small intestine up with where the large one used to go, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you know, at that time you are pretty much married to a bathroom for the rest of your life. So, I mean, I, I had kind of prepared myself for, for life altering things. Mm-hmm. What I hadn't really mentally prepared myself for was, you know, that much cancer. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it was one of those ones where, okay, well, how much time do I have left? Yeah. You know? Uh, Which is just a, just a crazy question to, to think that you'd have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have, I have had a, a number of, relatives who you know since i have had cancer uh, other Mm -hmm. people in my life have gotten cancer Mm. and gotten sick and died already yeah you know i mean i i can't even tell you how many relatives and and friends and family i have had who have caught cancer since i've had cancer and and i'm outliving everybody yeah yeah your body's just (laughs) I mean, I'm not complaining. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. be clear, I, I very much enjoy breathing in and out. It's one of my favorite things, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, difficult from an a mental and emotional standpoint that you know everybody around me is dying and yeah, and I haven't yet. You know, even on the cancer journey, right? I've got stage four cancer but I don't have as much pain as a lot of other people who have mm-hmm. cancer have experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I mean, I recognize that a lot of things I have had pretty easy and uh, uh, other people have not had so easy, but anxiety is one of those ones that uh, it doesn't really matter how you measure it. Every bit of it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way. What, what were you doing to originally handle the anxiety. You know, at, at other points in my life, I uh, have had experience with uh, regular antidepressants. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I already knew that for me, that wasn't really an effective tool. Um, for the current batch of anxiety, I had, uh, you know, beta blockers, which help to lower your blood pressure, uh, lorazepam, which, you know, helps to take uh, some of the edge off of it. But that's right. uh, really all I was using for Mm -hmm. that in, you know, outside of my normal meditation routine. And I I do a lot of meditation. I find it, it helps quite a bit. Yeah. Meditation is huge. I don't (laughs) think people really quite understand the power that meditation has. I mean, I know people will try it for a week and say, it's not for me and and kind of quit, but it really does seem like one of those things. It's kind of like, it's kind of like jogging, like essentially you can kind of just continuously go longer and longer and longer and it just gets easier and better and you get more out of it the farther you go. Yeah. I, uh, I meditate at least an hour a day. Wow. Yeah. How Um, do you go about your meditations? Like what do, what do they look like for you? Um, you know, it is different from day to day, but I am not one of those people who uh, looks for the void. You know, I'm, Mm, mm. I'm not looking for empty space necessarily. Um, 
but I do tend to try to detach from myself physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the time when I am meditating, I am also doing fairly high doses of cannabis mm-hmm. because uh, I use that for dealing with my chemotherapy symptoms. Right. So uh, I, I take fairly high doses of cannabis oil and uh, I, I just let my mind go where it happens to need to go on that particular day. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, uh, you know, contemplate belly button lint and, and some days <laughs> I uh, try to figure out uh, new political systems, you know, it right, depends totally. on the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. So many people try to fight their, fight their own brain. And I think it's one of those things, especially when you're dealing with anxiety and depression, it's so easy. And I can, you know, this, I can, I can actually speak from personal experience yeah. um, where it's one of those things where you do, you feel like you're in a fist fight all day. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, why would I not fight back? My brain's beating me down kind of thing. But sometimes yeah. there are some important lessons to be learned from where your brain, even in its, even in its more hurtful ways is taking you. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, for myself, I mm. have, uh, and I guess i maybe circle back to uh, that earlier comment that I made that I, I felt that I was very well prepared for my session. Mm. Um, I'll maybe elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it sort of hooks in with uh, some of my experience with, uh, you know, meditation and taking the higher doses of uh, cannabis oil. Um, I am at least familiar with the altered states of consciousness that cannabis can produce, mm-hmm. you know, where it is not uh, hallucinogenic necessarily. Uh, it is definitely a mind-altering substance, <clears throat> and uh, it has psychoactive effects that can be, you know, pretty disconcerting for somebody who is not used to them. So, yeah. my experience with these uh, altered states of consciousness with cannabis. Um, and I should probably also say that for me, cannabis is not a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was going to, I was going to get to that uh, eventually. Uh, you know, take some cannabis and sit on the couch and, uh, you know, eat a bag of popcorn or something. Right. Um, for me, uh, the cannabis oil has a, a really negative effect. Uh, physically, mm. it's, uh, as if you, uh, put me in ice water. Mm. So I get a lot of uh, muscle spasms, uh, shivering. It actually physically lowers my body temperature. Wow. So uh, I get a lot of uh, spasms and uncontrollable shivering that kind of goes along for the ride with that. So uh, a lot of physical anxiety symptoms that are caused strictly by the cannabis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have uh, been able to learn how to deal with the physical symptoms of anxiety in a detached way. Um, so that, uh, you know, it doesn't, the, the cannabis, for example, doesn't affect me in an emotional way, just in a mm. physical way. So right. by being, uh, accustomed to being able to detach myself emotionally, mm-hmm. it was much easier for me to also detach when the psilocybin was taking effect. Right. So uh, I guess yeah. my recommendation for, for anybody looking at this would be to maybe explore some ways that they uh, uh, can use like holotropic breathing or, or techniques like that prior to mm-hmm. a psilocybin experience so that they can acclimatize themselves to uh, some of the ways that these altered states feel. Mm-hmm. And that way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if they do happen to have a psilocybin session or, or, 
something similar. Uh, when the weirdness starts, it doesn't freak you out. Well, I was going to just uh, touch on that when you said the breathing. What kind of breathing did you just say? I do a relaxation breathing technique. Um, I've noticed that uh, normally when you just breathe in a, your waking state, uh, your inhale is about the same sort of a duration as the exhale. And I've realized that this is a mechanism that your body can use for hiding tension. So uh, when you are inhaling and exhaling in your waking life, you can actually be holding tension in the muscles going in both directions and not even notice it. Hmm. So the breathing techniques that I use would be a slow inhale followed by a ragdoll relaxation. Mm. And the exhale is accomplished by simply relaxing the muscles required to inhale. Interesting. Okay. And uh, when you exhale, you take a pause. And that pause is used to look for any muscles that are not ragdolled. Mm. And you can find them because they won't allow you to fully exhale right. if they're there. Right. So by focusing on the breathing and the releasing of muscles in that way, um, it is very relaxing and is a useful enough way of occupying your mind mm. that it doesn't wander to other places. Right. I, I personally think that breathing is one of the most important things that, and it's funny, right? Because we, we always just take it for granted. As you said, breathing in and out is one of our favorite things to do. Yeah. Uh, but I find myself all the time where I'm taking these tiny little inhales, tiny little exhales. Yeah. These just, you know, and I, and I do, I, you get that, that tightness, that tension. Um, yeah. but I, I, in my own experiences, I've done, um, I think it was called, uh, I, I don't remember what the technical term was, but uh, one of the instructors who I was with called it dragon breath, I believe, or something okay. along those lines. Uh, and it was something, it was just a, a breathing meditation. It was a 30 minute breathing meditation. Uh, and it was one of those things that you exhale and you don't inhale for a little while. So you let your body kind of like settle into this state of yeah. no, of nothingness essentially. And it was, and by the end of it, in, you know, 25 minutes in, 30 minutes in, I was le legitimately kind of feeling these hallucinogenic mm -hmm. um, states, I guess you could say, because it was just such a foreign feeling to the body. And it was incredibly therapeutic. Yeah. But nobody's talking about breathing. I don't think it's one of those things no. that it's always, uh, it's always just so glossed over, but it's such a crucial part of mental health. You, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you can treat it the same way that uh, a lot of people live their life, right? So breathing can be an unconscious act that you don't really participate in. The same as your mm. life can be a, right. a, something that just happens to you and you're there. Mm -hmm. Or breathing can be a conscious active thing in the same way that your life can be a conscious act. Wow. That's for, a great way me, of looking at it. Yeah. For me, life is a very, uh, the, the act of living is a very active process for me. Yeah. Mm. I, I am not just here. I am consciously living every moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a lot easier to do that since the psilocybin too. Yeah. I, I can imagine that that kind of, it would give you that little bit of a jump start and kind of push in the right direction to, to let you know that. Um, yeah. What kind of, I, I'm so curious to know what kind of lessons you feel like you've learned uh, mm -hmm. since the, since the psilocybin or just kind of since this, this whole in, incredible journey that you've been on, you know, it's, you know, usually incredible is used in a good sense, but you know, it's kind of, it's had its peaks and valleys. Uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I would love to know, you know, your experiences and the lessons that you've learned. Man, 
there has really been, uh, you know, on, on a daily basis, I still get these aha yeah. moments. Yeah. Uh, the, the breathing, for example, is, is one, you know, that I, I actually kind of popped into my head the other day. And on a daily basis, you sort of get these little insights like that. Um, the big one, of course, for me was that uh, realization that, you know, the current state of my consciousness isn't the only state that it can exist in. And the important part of that is that prior to the psilocybin, I didn't, you know, mentally have any way of conceptualizing what that would even look like, right? Um, and I don't think that we would really be capable of that without the assistance of something like a mind-altering substance. It removed a lot of the, uh, I guess, in my mind, questions about, you know, uh, what yeah. comes next. You know, uh, what is that transition from mm -hmm. life to death mm -hmm. like? You know, uh, and I have really come to the conclusion that it can't be that dissimilar from, you know, literally falling yeah. asleep or you know drifting into a daydream or something mm -hmm. like that i mean we have all experienced these altered states in our regular day-to-day -day life but you never think yeah. about them yeah what i find so so <laughs> interesting about that is the fact that i think a lot of people are very anxious of, of experiencing altered states but we've been experiencing altered states our entire lives with, you know, with daydreams, like with sleep. It's something that's so normal to us. Why the idea of why it scares us so much, I think is very, is, is a interesting study, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that could be, you know, because it has uh, this artificially created stigma associated mm -hmm. with it. Right. So, you know, where it used to be uh, for us and still is for many cultures, you know, uh, a rite of passage mm -hmm. or uh, a healing mm -hmm. journey or, uh, you know, a, a way of finding purpose in your life. You know, other cultures are still using them in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And for us, it has become this stigmatized, dirty thing that nobody wants to right. talk about. Yeah. Why, why do you, you know, why do you think that is? You know, a really, really good propaganda campaign in the Fair 60s. Enough. You know, if you have the entire weight of a, a government that is behind making sure that they educate people to the dangers and the evils right. of something, they have the money and the resources to accomplish mm. that. It's as simple as that. Do you think that that's going to, do you think that that's going to change the, the more that we progress and, and see success and results within this space? You know, as we get more uh, public acceptance of people at least investigating mm -hmm. it, you know, and I am, I am not one of those people who thinks that, you know what, everybody should just yeah, take yeah, a dose yeah. and it'll be fine. You know, uh, that's a, that is not where I'm at. Um, I am of the opinion that uh, get rid of the criminalization, allow genuine researchers to look into it and find out how it would best benefit mm -hmm. people. Uh, very important to me to, to have, good information to replace the negative information right. you know truth to replace mm -hmm. the lies mm -hmm. which i mean that's so i was gonna say that. it is a very simple formula some of the uh the things that i think would be really helpful here in canada um would be to actually have uh regulated suppliers of 
psilocybin mm-hmm. as well. Um, I know I haven't mentioned it with you in this particular podcast, but I've mentioned it uh, in you know, pretty much every other podcast, is that in order to find a safe source of psilocybin to uh, take from my session, I had to grow my own mushrooms. Wow, and, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, there is no legal source of psilocybin in Canada. Okay. You, you can't contact a government lab. You can't go to a pharmaceutical wow. company. I mean, there's, there is no legal place to get it. Yeah. I, uh, at, at that time, was kind of making my choices between whether I thought uh, psilocybin was better, LSD, uh, DMT, ayahuasca. Um, I had done enough research at that time to realize that all of these substances were in the same sort of family and, and were generating similar sort of results. Right. But in order to find that stuff here in Canada, you know, I, I kind of had a choice of, uh, you know, going and talking to Guido on the corner or uh, growing my own. Right. So um, I happen to have experience uh, growing my own medical cannabis and I've uh, grown a lot of other things. So I figured I can do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's so. a bit confusing. I mean, it's, I doesn't seem as easy as just kind of watering a plant. It's not quite as easy as watering a plant. Um, so there are definite uh, temperature controls, humidity controls, lighting. Uh, you know, you, you start with your spores, you populate your grow media, you wait 14 days, you keep it at, you know, uh, 28 to 30 degrees in the dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll populate the whole, the uh, grow medium with the mycelium. And at that time, when you start to see pins forming, you flip it into a 12-hour light and dark grow cycle in mushrooms for you obviously like what does it mean to have that supplier or like somebody who is actually growing it legally and providing it to doctors and that kind of stuff like just i guess like what what's like the the benefits what's kind of like the mentality behind just knowing that that safety Mm -hmm. thing is out there yeah there are actually a lot of benefits of having a regulated psilocybin supply or at least a reliably tested psilocybin supply so that it's uh, consistent. One of the main drawbacks of a plant medicine um, is the fact that it is a natural substance and the uh, amount of effective medication within any particular dose is going to vary from one mushroom to the next, Mm -hmm. let alone one type of mushroom to the next. And there's 200 different types of uh, psilocybin mushrooms available. So, I mean, uh, myself, I had Cubensis, which has a very well-documented average psilocybin amounts in it. Mm -hmm. But that is not to say that every mushroom is as well-documented. Right. So you really need to have a way of knowing what you are taking so that you can take a predictable dose and have a predictable outcome. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes the difference between uh, a medicine and recreation. Mm, that's a great way of phrasing it. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my last question that I have for you, Thomas, and I... I cannot thank you enough for, for taking the time because this has been enlightening for me. I'm, I'm sure it's been enlightening for all my listeners. Um, and, and that's that at the end of every episode, I love to give out a challenge to my listeners, something that they can incorporate into their week, their month, their year, uh, their life in general, just something that they can do to make their life um, better. And obviously you have had quite the life experience so far, and I would love to hear what challenge you would put forth to my listeners. Yeah. Well, this one actually would not 
be a difficult one for your listeners and doesn't even involve mushrooms, which may be disappointing to you. I'm not too sure. Come but, on, uh, Thomas. No. <laughs> <laughs> I set you uh, up. You know, uh, honestly, honestly, I, uh, I try to live my life the way I would like the world to be. Mm. And for me, um, the scale by which I measure myself is myself yesterday. Mm. So I guess my challenge to your listeners would be um, my way of making the world a better place is to find something that is challenging to you today and try to do better at it tomorrow. I love that. You have to do better at everything. Just pick one thing. And if your life is just that much better tomorrow than it was today, then you have growth. That's amazing. That's a great, yeah, that's a, that's one of my favorite challenges that uh, has been put forth. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I certainly enjoyed uh, having a chat with you. You're fun. Hey, hey I try to be. <laughs> All right. I got to give you credit. That was incredible. Yeah, man. Uh, like a massive thank you to Thomas for coming on the podcast. You know, what I find amazing is to like to see somebody like Thomas, you know, a, a father who didn't have much experience with any kind of drug talk openly about not only his mental health, but how psilocybin has helped yeah, him. In my eyes, it does wonders in helping kind of humanize the effects of mushrooms and psilocybin and like showcasing the potential benefit that this natural drug can have on the lives of adults suffering with various mental struggles. Yeah, no, the research needs to be done 100%. Also, I just want to take a moment to talk about that breathing line, that breathing can be an unconscious act or a conscious act, just like life itself. Like, I think when you take the time to diligently focus on yourself, to bring the mind inside the body and breathe and be within that moment, it's such a powerful thing and it's such a great step in the right direction like in anybody's mental health journey and then also like the idea that to to put your life on autopilot just like we do with our breathing sometimes like being conscious about living every day and i think that that's what 2020 has really kind of like shown me is the idea that you can live and expect things to happen and there might be some crazy scenarios that that fucking comes up and all of a sudden you are in a completely different spot than you thought you were but taking the time to consciously make the most out of each day and that doesn't mean being productive each day that just means doing the best thing for you on a daily basis bringing that energy into 2021 is definitely going to be something that uh that i'm going to do so thomas like thank you so much also, <laughs> side note before we finish the episode, I should note that like we're not advocating for you to go run out and everyone start downing mushrooms. Um, but, you know, you should learn about this compound that could have incredible mental medical benefits. Yeah, no, what, what he said. But, dude, honestly, just A1 guess this week. So do, do your research. And I, and I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Uh, more complimenting myself because, you know, we're the, we're the same person. So Yeah, true. Okay, either way, Thomas was absolutely incredible. And if you guys want to learn more about the world of psilocybin, you guys can check out at Therapsil on IG. That's T-H-E-R-A-P-S-I-L on Instagram. They were the people who helped Thomas through his therapy. Uh, and while you're there on Instagram, you know, you want to check out the podcast. It's at Life's Work Podcast. I'm at Morsey. Uh It's the same on TikTok if you want to follow me there for more mental health foolishness. Yeah, good episode. Good good teamwork this week. Uh, but But next week, or I guess two weeks from now, it's going to be uh it's going to be special too. Yeah man, no I, I'm happy that you brought that up. Uh you know, hey, g- great great planning there, great setup. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah, it's convenient for you. Big crush. Um next week on the podcast is the season finale of season 3 and we're talking with Tyler Smith. Uh Tyler is a former member of the Humboldt Broncos who survived that 
horrible crash that we all heard about back in 2018 that really uh, that really rocked the sports world. You know, so we talk about his recovery mentally and physically, um, his new work within the mental health space, and just about being a kid who's been through a lot. Um, it's a great episode. Uh, I'm excited to drop it. Um, and I think it's just going to be a great way to finish off season three. Uh, so I'm excited for you guys to hear it. But in the meantime, I'm going to wrap this episode up and relax because I'm exhausted and life's a wreck. See you guys for the finale. Yeah, see you guys in two weeks for the finale. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.